The Damn Podcast is brought to you by the Influential Grooming Lounge. It's more than just a barbershop. It's where influencers elevate each other and the community meets. Welcome everybody to another episode of The Damn Podcast with your hosts Marcus Greaves and Angie Machado. Angie, Beavers went into Stanford. We're, I'm thinking that it's going to be a closer game. They've been looking a little better in parts of games, so I was a little excited to see. And I uh, had my hopes up. I made sure to have some beer in my refrigerator just in case anything crazy happened. And, of course, <clears throat> the complete opposite happened. They laid a fat goose egg. That was probably one of the worst games I've watched from Oregon State. You know, I could argue that that was – between that and Arizona, that was probably – that was probably the worst game I, I've seen this season. And uh, Cal was pretty bad, too. Oh, you're right. See, we shouldn't have to do this, though. We shouldn't have to like be like, okay, which game was worse? Yeah. But, uh, Angie, kind of give me your thoughts. I know you watched the game. Just kind of give me your takeaways from that game. Not what I expected. You know, I, like like you said, I, I was expecting it to be a closer game. Um, but, dude, the same exact problems that have plagued this team all year reared their ugly head, lack of missed tackles. I mean, it's pretty sad when the Pac-12 – announcers start counting missed tackles on plays. That's oh, pretty yeah. bad. And then, you know, watching the post game and, and Nick Galliotti and Ryan Leaf are trying to be nice. And finally, Ryan Leaf just like, that, that defense is bad. I mean, he basically just flat out said they're bad after kind of tiptoeing around it for a while. Um, yeah, I just, it, it was disappointing. It was disheartening. I mean, they have a, once again, Oregon State makes a, a opposing player look like they're ready for the Heisman. So um, two more games left. And then we can, I guess, start focusing on recruiting and, and spring. Right. And, Angie, I know I already kind of gave my takeaways on Beaver Blitz. But um, for those who are not, you know, subscribers, you should definitely be subscribed. I'm just kidding. Anyways. Um, you're not kidding. You're, I like, mean, I mean you're right. Honest. Yeah, you're right. Get in there so you can listen to me rant some more, but on paper. <laughs> Anyways, um, Angie, I can't tell you how many times I put my – face in my palm or my palm in my face uh, I should say because so many missed tackles it's you know the the offense wasn't great they looked okay at times but you know that wasn't the offense you know best performance but defense my goodness it's like I don't know and I wish there was like a magical wand we can wave over something but it just look you know right it just looks like the players even if they're in positions they just they just make the wrong they just they just keep making the same mistakes and you know maybe it's on the coaches but Angie I know we were just talking about this off air you know at some point we have to you know and I understand especially as a former player I know ne- you know you never want to take the heat as a player right and the coaches never want the players to take the heat and they always want to put it on themselves and say right it's my fault we're going to get better I'm going to do all I can to get better but like we've talked about in the past Angie you know, unless you're a player and forcing yourself to be better and, you know, not just relying on the coaches to make you better, you're not going to get better. And the missed tackles that come in handfuls every single play, I know there's a couple times um, that, you know, the Beavers had, they had KJ Costello, they had him, right? They could have got they a sack him. and they could have got three or four sacks easily. And, you know, maybe even five or six if they – Right, if they could wrap up and took the right angles, but it's, I just don't understand because as a Division One football player and Division One athlete, you should know. Especially, you know, it's the same thing. For example, as being a running back, if you're a running back, you know when to jump cut, you know when to spin, you know who you read, you know your, you know your one and two, kind of breaking it down and 
knowing your fundamentals and what it's like when you're going up against a linebacker at a certain angle. You should know what move you can use, what move you can't use. And it's the same thing when you're going on a blitz as a linebacker. If you're a linebacker and you come screaming downhill, right, as fast as you can, you're selling out to get this sack. What what do they teach the quarterbacks? They teach them, okay, if someone's coming around the outside as a loop or if someone's coming right at you, one, you can either, I don't even know what they call it, that little rollout where they stick a foot in the ground and they like turn around and roll out of the pocket, or they just step up, right, and they step through the pressure and then they deliver a throw. But the linebackers, I don't know why they can't figure it out because they did it three or four times. They were right there, and then what happened, all K.J. Costello had to do was basically hop you know, forward a little bit and then – all right, there goes the sack, and then a sack or a potential sack turns into a 20-yard gain, and that's what it's been all season. They just yep, don't yeah. take advantage of the opportunities that they have, and then from there it just leads into big plays. And, you know, I know no players want to be called out, but at this point I'm calling everybody on the defense out because what are they ranked? I think they're ranked total. I saw some, you know, I was looking into it. Total defense, I think it was there, 129th. Or something like that out of 130? Yeah, yeah. 128 out of 129, I believe. <clears throat> the only team worse is UConn. That's <laughs> And that's, you know, there's just no chance that should be a thing. You have you have athletes. You have guys that can play football or, they're not, or they wouldn't be there. Maybe they weren't highly recruited, but, man, like. Here, here's one for you, Marcus. I, I did this yesterday. I wrote this all out. So, Oregon State has played 10 games. They have given up over 500 yards on eight occasions, eight out of the 10. The only two they haven't given up over 500 yards is Southern Utah and Nevada. And Southern Utah, they gave up 488 yards. Oh, my goodness. Stanford was averaging 372 yards of offense per game. Oregon State gave up 596. They gave up, seriously, almost another whole game of offense, 224 extra yards than Stanford had been. (sighs) Oregon State is making teams look like offensive Right. Juggernaut. They, when yeah, not. they make the Pac-12 look like they're offensive juggernauts. You're right, and it's and it's just so frustrating because you're watching it and you're like, <laughs> if this happens every game, here's a great example: another wheel route that Stanford scored on. I couldn't tell you how many times, Angie, when I was watching film before the game and I was trying to do a breakdown, I was like, okay, they're gonna go. You know what Stanford does is they like. I mean, they have their bigger receivers, obviously. Whiteside wasn't playing, so that's good, right? One of their best players, if not their best receiver, is not playing. So you're thinking, okay, so it's going to be a little easier for us. And Stanford, with their big-bodied receivers and tight ends, what are they going to do? They want to get you one-on-one. So if you sell out and stop the run, like Oregon State did, they didn't stop it. They did an okay job. There's, you know, Cameron Scarlett had like a 40-yard touchdown run, and there's, you know, missed tackles left and right, but – for the most part, I thought they did a better job than they have in these past couple of weeks with running or stopping the run at least. But when it came to passing, okay, if you're in a one-on-one situation and you're a DB, you should know, okay, I'm not going to sit in his hip pocket because all he's going to do is you know put his body on me and basically box me out like a basketball player. And then all KJ Costello has to do is not even throw a spiral because half the passes he were throwing weren't even spirals. He was kind of like... Looked like he was shot putting the ball in the air. And his guys would just come down with it. And, Oregon, and of course, Oregon State guys are hanging off of him. Like, that's that's where, as a player, you have to take it upon yourself and say, okay, well, if that's how they're going to do it, how am I going to adjust to this? So watch all the teams who beat Stanford and beat that kind of big-body box-out, 
you know, position that the receivers would get in and take notes and figure out that's what I need to do. And that's the problem, Angie, is that they're just not doing it. They're not doing those things and they're not taking it upon themselves. Yeah. And it's, and, and part of it, you know, they're just way undersized. I mean, you know, I look at our D, at Oregon State's DBs compare. I mean, Stanford does have ginormous guys, but mm-hmm. um, you know, it's it's just disheartening to see guy after being in like just slightly wrong position to make a play or bat down a ball. Or I will say that I huge props. I will give out one kind of MVP award if if there was one. Because um, you know, you're talking about guys that are, aren't trying to get better. But I will say that Shamar Smith looks like he is really trying every single week to get better and and it's showing he looks yeah, better every week definitely i mean angie and everybody listen i should say don't get me wrong i love oregon state to death i love my my former teammates there are still a good handful that i played with um they were younger but you know obviously i played with them i love these guys to death and i love everything you know all the effort that they do put in the guys that do put in the effort i love it and i know there's guys there's jay Moore, there's hamica there's you know uh, Shamar, all these guys want to get better. And, you know, the list goes on. They do want to get better, but it's just the ones that, that don't take it serious. And half the time, they don't even have to play, right, Angie? It's a it's a whole team thing, and it's if not every single person is policing themselves and policing others and making sure that they're taking upon themselves to get better, then they're not going to get better as a unit. Yeah. You know, you're going to have guys stand out, and Hamica's really been standing out as of lately, and to. so is yeah. Shamar. Like, these guys are standing out. You can tell that they're trying to get better, and they want to get better, but there's still a handful of guys who just, you know, and Angie, I might go on a quick rant that just want to be <laughs> the cool guy on campus, right? And I always tell, I, you know, I train some young kids um, up in Vancouver, here in Portland, some high school football players, and I always stress it to them because I know it, it's a big deal right now and it shouldn't be. But everyone wants to be the cool guy on campus, right? Everyone wants to be the guy who's, right, a big-time football player, goes, all, goes to all the parties and, People know who they are when they're walking around campus. You have your backpack, you know, for example, oh, oh my gosh, you know, you're Jalen Moore, right? You're this and that. You're a great safety because he is. And you're like, and that those are the kind of things that players see and they want to be a part of that. They want to be the big guy on campus. And they want to be the cool guy on campus. But damn it, Angie, I don't care if you want to be the cool guy on campus. It's not, you know, it's, it's not cool to show up to every party when you're losing games, right? <laughs> It's not cool to be the one who can chug a bunch of beer and then go to practice the next day and do really good against the scouts. Angie, you know what's cool? Winning games is cool. Like, you can be the cool guy when you win games. Like, that's what's cool to me. And I think that was the biggest difference. It's not cool to post on your social media and all this, you know, this and that and this and that. It's cool to win games. And there's guys that I know for a fact on that team that think it's they just want to be the cool guy on campus. And they, you know, they don't want to do – Yeah, then – there's guys, I guarantee there's some young guys that are hungry too. But you know, what gives me a little hope in hearing you say that though is guys like Hamilka, guys like Shimar, guys like Jalen, they're juniors. They're going to be the leaders next year. Mm-hmm. They are the senior leadership next year that um, it's, you know, time for them to really step up and lead by, not only lead by example, but be that vocal. You know, we hear so many guys like, oh, I don't yell at guys or I'm, I, I'm just kind of a lead by example kind of guy. Well, at some level, some of these guys might need to get yelled at a right. bit, you know, by their peers. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, And, Angie, I know we've talked about this a little bit, but, you know, I and maybe I don't know what – obviously we don't know what Coach Smith is thinking right now and what's going through his head, Coach Tibizar, all these guys. But, Angie, I think it's really um, going to be a time where, say, come after season, they're going to have to sit down with some guys, you know, some older guys and be like, listen, man, if you're not going to put in the work, I'm bringing in a freshman and he's going to take your spot. 
Well, yeah, I'm, yeah. you know, uh, this dude's done red shirting. He's going to take your spot because that's really, you know, realistically, that's what it is. And we've seen it. There's young guys on the defense right now. You know, exa- a good example is Matthew, Matthew Tago, right? He's on, the, he's playing. He's, I think he's a starter actually, isn't he? Yeah. 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 And then and same with Isaiah Tufaga. Yeah. These guys, I mean, they're playing a lot and as unfortunate as it is, you know, Jonathan Willis, I had super high hopes for him. I love, you know, Willis is one of my best friends. And I was like, this kid's going to come in and dominate because he has. But, may, you know, whatever whatever the case may be, he's not starting. And, you know, Coach Bray was maybe like, I just want to start the young guy. They're just as good. Might as well start the young guy. You know, there's times Willis comes in, he plays really well. But I just haven't seen that consistency from Willis. And so I can see why, you know, these younger guys are starting to play. And no matter what position it is, I think that's what has to happen because that's the only way it's going to get better. Because if you, you know, if Coach Smith allows – and I'm not saying, you know, Jonathan Smith is, I mean, Jonathan Willis has been, you know, mediocre, but I'm saying if an older player is not going to live up to the potential and all this extra stuff, then, you know, you might as well start the younger guy because you never know. And maybe the older yeah. guy's better, maybe the younger guy's better, whatever it is, but you have to switch it up because they can't keep doing the same thing. They yeah, can't yeah. because even on, well, you know, oh, oh excuse me. You can go. No, go ahead. Nope, go. But that's what I was saying, you know, because when you see Willis on special teams, he's on special teams. That's a, you know, that's a senior on special teams, and nobody wants to be that guy. But, hey, you make your money on special teams, right? That's how you get to the NFL, et cetera. So maybe he's not performing the best at linebacker, but he's at least performing on special teams, and you have to know your role, right? And Willis, I thought his role was going to be he's going to come out and be the best player on defense, and whatever happens, he just hasn't been. And that's just realistic. I know for a fact he knows that. And that's not a bag on him, but he knows what he can do. So instead, he's going to go out all out on special teams. And that's why, you know, maybe the Beaver special teams has been a little better than it was last season. But regardless, young guys are starting to obviously break through and break the starting lineup, and they should. Because if the older guys aren't going to take it serious, then, you know, start the guys who want to, you know, who want to be there and want to take it serious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that looking ahead now that we are, we, we are down to two games of the season, uh, no bowl game for the Beavs. And I think for me, it, it goes to the recruiting and, the, and looking ahead, projecting ahead. Um, there's early signing period next month, which will be big. But, you know, right now the, Oregon, the Beavs have 11 commits. That still gives you, you know, 14, 13, 14, 15 guys to sign in February. Um, it's going to be crazy. And we're already going to start seeing with, with the coaching carousel, Start happening. There's two things that I'm really watching. Coaching carousel one as guy as coaches are getting fired, their current commit list becomes a little more unstable, and it it lets Oregon State maybe have some chances to go out and pick. You know, Bobby Petrino just fired from uh, Louisville. Um, there's some guys. You know, Clay Helton is is on a major hot seat right now. So so there's one area that I'll be kind of watching Oregon State and guys that they've offered and being able to go after some of those guys. And also with the early signing period. If I'm Oregon State, I don't try to fill up with guys in December because what's going to happen is the USC's of the world, the you know the powerhouses, and, and USC is not a powerhouse, but they still recruit very, very well. Um, what's going to happen is those guys are going to get higher-ranked guys and start dropping some of the guys that they maybe have committed. Um, so more guys will be, you know, some of these guys that say they're committed now won't be committed come, you know, December 16th. So it will open some things up for Oregon State there as well. So those are two areas that I think if you're an Oregon State fan, you're going to have to watch because these are the players that are going to come in next season and potentially be a Jamar Jefferson or a Matthew Tago, a true freshman that can come in and help this team immediately. Right. And 
Angie, that's an interesting point you bring up because you're right. You know, a lot of guys, when they get fired or they leave or whatever it is, I know that feeling. It wasn't when I was getting recruited, but, I mean, really the only reason why I chose Oregon State was Coach Riley. And so when that happened, I was like, well, I don't know if I'm going to leave. I don't know if I'm going to stay. Like, the only reason why I came here was because of this coaching staff and Coach Riley. And so when they leave, I was, you know, the first thought of my mind when Coach Riley came in, let us know that he was taking a different job. I was like, well, I should probably start looking at schools where I wonder where Coach Riley's going because I might hit, you know, hit him up and see if I can go there with him and all that kind of stuff. And that, you know, it happens. So it's just, it's going to be interesting to see. I want to see how, you know, Oregon State really handles that. But, you know, let's not take away. Uh, obviously, the season's been a rough one, Angie. And, and for a fact, I mean, we both know for a fact, and the fans listening and everyone, you know, listening, you know for a fact it's been a rough season. But did we really expect anything else, right, anything less than what we've seen? You know, maybe no. not. Maybe the defense not to be this bad because this is like historically bad. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, you know, I, I mean, Mark, I went back and listened to our our podcast we did um, during fall camp, and and it was interesting because both of us were saying, you know, we kept kind of talking about we're not going uh, to judge this, you know, team on wins and losses, and it's going to be on improvement each week, and and that never fight or never back down from a fight mentality, and and I think in a lot of ways we've seen that. Yeah, I, mean, but I, I agree. I think the biggest thing, you know, I think the offense has exceeded my expectations somewhat because they are, while, while not consistent, there's an identity and they're able to move the ball, which we haven't seen in a couple of years. Yeah. So they've exceeded my expectations. You know, against Stanford, they, they sputtered a lot. Um, they started getting things moving and then they'd stall out. Um, but defensively, I just, I mean, this is worse than, than Kevin Clune last year. I mean, this is – you know, go back, Beaver fan, when you used to be complaining about Mark Banker. I, right now you'd be taking one of those defenses in a heartbeat. I mean, this is I, – I, on Beaver, somebody was mentioning Jerry Pettibone days. and I mean, at least during the Pettibone days, the defense was actually pretty strong under Rocky Long. They, they actually had some good um, – some decent defenses. So this is – I honestly can't remember a defense that has been this bad ever at Oregon State. So um, I did not expect it to be to be that. Right, and it's it's not – and a lot of people say it's it's talent. And I know at the end of the day, right, most of the time, nine out of ten times, right, unless that's where upsets come in, but the better team will win, right? And um, if you have more talented players, obviously it's more – you're more likely to win because they're just better athletes, better football players. They just do some things that the other players can't. But I think a lot of the time in Oregon State's case – at least for me, for this defense, I I would say the defense is the only L or big L I would say from the season. And I know the, I'm not judging off of wins and losses because I didn't expect a lot, right? I didn't expect a comeback win against Colorado. I did expect a win against Nevada, blah, blah, blah. But, um, Angie, it's just the defense that has thrown me off so much because I know the athletes they have on defense. And it's just, I don't know if it's they're not confident or they just don't buy into the scheme or whatever it is or they're just not disciplined that might be it they're just not disciplined because that's like the that's like the biggest thing for me is just they're not disciplined they can't tackle well in space heck they can't you know they can't turn the they can't even get a sack right and that's that's a big thing for me i was like okay if we don't and you know people can quote me on this because i'm pretty sure i said it earlier you know in the in the year excuse me but it was just if we don't get see the wins and losses as long as we see improvement, 
and we it's been the complete opposite defensively. I would say every area of the team, their attitude, their fight, um, offensively can you know the consistency's iffy, but players stepping up like this has happened offensively and on special teams, you know besides the kicker I should say, but we'll get into that later. But uh, Angie, it's just it's so bad, and I just I wish we had an answer for it why it was so bad, <laughs> you know. But um, that's the next thing I wanted to get into. Angie is man. We, we, I've cut, I know for a fact I've cut Jordan Chu care some slack. I, you know, I'm, I'm really good friends with Jordan. Um, but at some point this is, and you know, this is what I'm talking about as well. Cause I started off saying, you know, everyone misses kicks. It happens. You look at the NFL, these guys get paid millions of dollars to make kicks and they miss them. Right. Same thing with quarterbacks, centers, long snappers, punters, all this running backs, everything you get paid to do it. And in Jordan's case, you know, I, I cut him some slack after that first one, right? The Nevada one, I get it. It was pressure. You're on this, you know, you're in a game. It's do or die. Some guys are just clutch, have ice in the veins, and some guys just miss an opportunity. I thought he missed an opportunity. Then after the Colorado one, I'm like, okay, guys, cut him some slack because he did get us nine points, right? And then Colorado missed the, their late-game field goal. That was the reason, part of the reason why Oregon State won and all that. But, Angie, I think the the kicking game is starting, you know, and I think I finally – hit a point where I'm like, listen, we got to find someone else. If he's not going to improve and, you know, I cut him some slack because I wanted to see improvement, and I haven't. And I don't know if you feel the same way, but I just don't feel improvement, or I don't see it, I should say. Yeah, and kicking's just one of those, like, just, it's a we, you know, it's it's not like a, any other position on the football team. It's so much of it is mental, and then trying to tap into that mental aspect of it. I, I hate bashing players in particular, but yeah, it's, it's rough to, you know, when, when the kicker's going out to actually be sitting there watching the game thinking, eeks, right. you know, well, 35 yard field goal. That should be a pretty much a chip shot. And you're like, eh, yeah. 50-50. And I never want to, you know, like I said, I never want to bag on him. Cause my last season, he played great. He was hitting some, some great field goals and like from distance. And, you know, he came in clutches a couple times for us and <clears throat> so on and so forth. But, yeah, it's just I want to see people like that's what I'm saying is I want to see players get better. And, you know, we never want to bash people, Angie, because I don't think this is a podcast where we just focus on mostly the negatives. We, you know, we we want to touch on the negatives and how they can improve. But especially with a kicker, it's kind of it's kind of mental. And so I get it when people are bashing on you. It's tough. Right. And you don't want it. You know, you're so worried about missing it, and getting the hate that you could miss another field goal. But. That's at least from my my uh, my mindset. That's where I take it upon myself and say, okay, well, I'm going to make this field goal, and then everyone who's hating on me, right? I'm not going to say a word. I'm just going to let them know, hey, here we go. Did you see me make this field goal? Okay, and I'm going to make the next one, the next one, the next one until those thoughts are gone. And it's kind yeah. of the same thing with a good example is the University of Florida's quarterback right now. He was taking a lot of heat because a lot of Gator fans were like, this guy sucks. Like we want a different quarterback. And then he came out against, I think it was South Carolina, and he balled out. He was, he killed it. And he even he even did the whole like you know finger to his mouth, silenced his fans. And he, they were at home because he was like, well, if you guys are going to talk smack to me, then I'm going to come out and ball out. And now every every Gator fan is like, well, okay, I guess you're right. He played pretty good. He's the only reason why we won the game. And so that's kind of what it is. And if I'm Jordan, I'm doing that. But at some point, I think now he has to prove himself because if not. You know, I think I don't know if Oregon State has another kicker, but if they did, I'm pretty sure he would be benched by now. Yeah, it's a walk on. Yeah. So, but you know, it happens. 
I don't want to say that because it's happened too much this season. But Angie, enough of this. Yeah. Should we should we do damn questions? We want to hit on another on, uh, another topic before, or we just want to jump right into them. Let's do some damn questions. All right. Damn questions are brought to you by Body of Health Chiropractic and Wellness Center. Dr. Jason Young has been the chiropractor for Oregon State Athletics since 2011. Go to yourbodyofhealth.com for more information. Okay, Marcus, so I have the first question here uh, from B.A. Beeve at Beaver Blitz. I love Ron. You are one of my all-time favorites, and you are like a day one Beaver Blitzer, so thank you, thank you. Okay, a thought. What has happened to the bubble screen? Is it no longer in the playbook? If so... Reinsert, please. Yeah, what in the heck happened to the bubble screen? Yeah, the that's what I'm trying to... <laughs> that's, that's what you've been preaching, huh? Right. Well, that's what I'm saying because you get your athletes the ball in the open field, and Trayvon Bradford has been on a tear lately. Oh, he's been like, on a tear. He's been on a tear, so you try to get him the ball in open field. Timmy Hernandez has been blocking great. So is uh, Isaiah Hodgins. That's where... Yeah, and I don't know if it's... They the don't... coaches just forget this. I mean, that's just it. I mean, especially when you have an offensive line that, you know, struggles with, with protection, get right. the ball out quick and let Trevon make some plays. Right. And maybe maybe that's the case. I mean, I don't really know. I wish I had an answer to that. You know, I don't like to bag on the coaching staff because I think that they're really good. But this is, you know, that's kind of something that, in my opinion, you have to bring in. But obviously, we're not getting paid millions of dollars to call the plays. But I can ju- I can see why... We want the bubble screen back because you get someone like Trayvon Brad for the ball. You have great blocking downfield, Timmy Hernandez and Isaiah Hodgins. It can at least spring you for a couple, right? Maybe 10, yeah. maybe five, but any positive plays. But, you know, that's what I like about the offense right now is they have been, you know, we have seen improvement, like we said, Angie, but, you know, maybe that's something that they can bring back so we can see more of the offense we saw at the beginning of the season. But uh, I have a question right here. This is from Just Beavit. Angie, you would know this. Um, who is Niner recruiting a new kicker or holding open tryouts? <laughs> they did have open tryouts just on campus, just in general for walk-ons back in September. Um, yes, kicker is is on one of the things that they are recruiting right now because Jordan is a junior, I believe. So mm-hmm. yeah, they they're constantly looking. Um, no one committed, and no one like on the horizon to commit that I'm expecting any time in the next, you know, couple weeks, but definitely we are watching that. So, um, yeah. I hope, I mean, as bad as that sounds, I just, I think, I don't want to say maybe Jordan's comfortable. I don't really know. I, it, I guarantee you it's a mental thing and it's just, once you miss a couple, you just get so frustrated and so worried about bringing so much hate your way. Right. And I know we know for a fact that kickers always, you know, when they do miss field goals, cause they always do. It always seems like, yeah, yeah. It always seems like it happens in big games or big moments or when you need it the most, they, you know, they miss it. But I think it might just be the fact that he doesn't have anyone pushing him and, and right, especially when it comes to taking a starting spot. So that might be it. But I never know. And like I said, I don't want to bag on Jordan. Jordan's a good friend of mine, but he needs to step it up. And if there was another kicker, I, I think he would be benched by now for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have one from David Mays on Twitter. Um, this we can both give our opinions here. At this point, what's your projected starting quarterback on opening day next season? Uh, Christian, is it Jebby? Tristan. Or oh, it's Tristan. Tristan, Jeb- Tristan, yeah, Jebby. Yeah, yeah. I just know his, I know his last name. That's it. But, yeah, certainly him. I watched some of his yep. film, and I was like, goodness gracious, we need this. <laughs> um, so, so here's – yeah, I, I'm completely it's, – it's, it'll be Jebby. There's not any big quarterback controversy. Um, Jeff Weiser 
another great friend um, to Beaver Blitz says, not to get too far ahead of things, but which units will be facing the greatest turnover next year and which, which units will be returning the most players? Where should we see, expect to see growth? Hmm. That's a good one. Um, I would say, I would say the linebackers probably with the biggest turnover, maybe just yeah, because, yeah. you know, you get another experience or I mean, you get more experience under the belt, you get, you know, some new guys, Angie, you would know better than I do coming in. But every time I know for a fact when a class brings in or a position group struggles and you bring in, you know, maybe a handful of, for example, linebackers, these linebackers are coming in and you can tell Coach Smith is not afraid to start, you know, a young guy if he's better. And so I think that'll just elevate that whole competition and make everything that much, you know, harder for, say, who's ever starting right now to keep that starting spot. So you better come with either your A game or you better improve a lot over the offseason because if not, someone's going to take your spot, but that's where, obviously, your position group gets better. Yeah, the front seven's going to be completely different. Yeah. I, I'm gonna, I'll just go right out and make that <laughs> make that big, bold prediction right. right now. So front seven will be completely different. And honestly, you know, I was, I was talking with Amy, Amy Schwartz, Beaver Blitz beat writer, this morning about um, you know position groups and we're talking about defensive backs and a couple of the the guys that have been struggling and again that's that's another area that you know I'm I'm really surprised we're not seeing like Trajan Cotton come in or more Moku Watson in some of these some of these situations where we have some veterans that really are struggling but um, I think right now right off like without even really thinking too too hard the front seven is going to be completely different because you look at um, you'll have Omar Spates coming in. Um, a highly rated linebacker. You have um, Avery Roberts, the transfer. You have this true freshman playing. Uh, defensive line is a huge emphasis right now for recruiting. But then you also have waiting in the wings like a Bradley Bickler, who's a big six-seven pass rushing D end, who they're trying to get some weight on because he just kind of came in, um, you know, underweight. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, that whole front seven is going to be a completely different group. Yeah, which it should be, right? It it really should be like that. But um, Marcus, I have, I have a good question for you from oh, Matt Chiffoni. He doesn't even ask about you know like having fifty seven uh, um, defensive line transfers, which he asks every week about more and more. <laughs> but Matt, we love you. Um, what? Why does Oregon State continue to run delayed blitzes? It seems like either two things happen: a) we are there late and just watch the QB throw a TD, or b) we can't bring anyone down if they do get there in time. Right, and. At this point, I don't know because if they bring – here's the biggest thing that I – you know, that's a great question, but the biggest thing I've at least been watching and, and realizing with the blitzes is he's right. So if they if they bring delayed blitzes because you hope obviously the the offensive line is in their blocking scheme and then you bring someone late, someone has to try to pick up or shift or whatever that is. But it's just – I don't I just don't know because when you see somebody like maybe Andre's Hughes Murray, right, he came in a couple times – but he just missed a sack. Oh, then he can't, yeah, then he can't bring him down. Yeah, and so if they're going to bring blitzes and and things like that, you know, you I think you you don't do delayed ones. You just bring you pressure bring on the line and hope somebody can break free. But that's the, that's the problem too is when they come hill. I mean, they come downhill right away and right when the ball is snapped and right they're engaged with the offensive lineman, they can't get off. Like they're not good enough with their hands or strong enough or whatever whatever it is to make that play and get off and and get a sack. So when you watch these guys, like when you watch what Cal did to us, for example, with all those sacks and they're bringing pressure or Arizona State, their guys were winning the one-on-one battles. And so when they came late, all they would have to do, or when they came delayed, 
all it was was just for a quarterback to feel uncomfortable. And I feel like that's the problem is that other teams, other teams' defenses have made our quarterback uncomfortable, but it seems like Oregon State's defense and when they bring blitzes and all that, they just know that we can't get a sack and we can't wrap up or we can't tackle. <laughs> it's just it's like they just brush us off and then they continue with their play. And so that I mean, that's my take on it because I mean, you're right. We can't get to the quarterback regardless, so why bring a delayed blitz on? So Yeah, yeah, the delay, you know, I, I, love, I mean, there's nothing better than a good safety blitz or, you know, outside linebacker blitz, but we haven't seen it. Right. and Or I haven't seen it be successful, right? right. So, we haven't. So they bring it, but it's it's like the guys just can't win their one-on-one battles. and so To, get, to break free, yeah. Mm-hmm, and that's, I mean, that's the biggest thing is if you can't win your one-on-one battles to break three, I mean, break free, excuse me, and at least get pressure on the quarterback and make him feel like you're there, then, you know, the delayed blitz is kind of just – it's kind of just your you're wasting energy for your defense. You're wasting player. energy, yeah. So and and tying up a guy that could be out in coverage. Exactly. So I, I was just gonna look up here the stats um, on sacks. Oregon State has managed ten sacks this year, whereas the opponents have managed forty four. Jeez. Ow. Angie, why you got to tell me this? Oh, so sorry. Uh, sorry. What? Well, how many sacks did we have last season? Did we have less than that, or we have the exact you same know, amount? Let me look. Hang on. Hang on. Let me, I'm pulling it up. Do you have another question? Well, I'm pulling it. Actually, nope. I'm going to get it right here. Hang on. Oh, you we got are, it? I'm going to pull it up. Sacks last season. Um, we had 14 sacks last season, but we, wait, is that us? 14 sacks versus 18. Oh, no. That we gave up, or we gave up 18. Oh, that's it? This year, yes. Oh. We, we, Oregon State defense created 14 sacks. And our O-line gave up 18 sacks. Right now, our O-line has given up 44, and our defense has created 10. See, that you just can't, you just can't win that way. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry to be the bearer of bad news. It's okay. But, um, uh, Matt also had a question for me. Um, he says that I've teased that more transfers may be on the way. Can I give position groups where they might be going? O-line, D-line would be nice. Um they're kind of all over the board. I, I don't want to say any names right now because they are packed. A couple of them that I've heard are Pac-12 players that are currently with Pac-12 teams. So um, it is one of what I'm where I'm really watching the coaches who might be leaving. So um, that could cause some guys to transfer. So um, just keep an eye out. Like I said, keep an eye out for those guys, and then um, you know there'll be there'll be other transfers to be hit in the market here in the next week or two. So um, as soon as as they make it public that they are looking to transfer, then um, we can definitely follow up with them. Yeah, Oregon State better do everything they can. Oh my goodness! Because Big Soup from 1080, the fan says it's the worst defense he has ever seen or he has seen in the last 15 years in the Pac-12. Maybe uh, rivaling anything that Washington State fielded during the Doba Wolf years. Is he wrong? <laughs> I don't think no. he's wrong. I don't. No, I don't either. I see Big Souk all the time, and I think I might talk to him about it. He's pro- I think he's here right now. I think I might go talk to him. But you're right. I mean, he's right. This is this has been bad, and it's it's almost like whenever Oregon State has a chance to make a play, or they right and say it's a. Here's a great example: Bryce Love. Bryce Love has been playing not very good, and yeah. I even wrote, you know, for those who are not subscribed to Beaver Blitz, I wrote an article about how. Stanford's run game hasn't been what it has been, right? It's just been struggling this season. A team like Oregon, who's not usually known for being physical, kind of shut them down completely. Um, and, of course, what happens, Bryce Love comes out, and they're like, and you hear the commentators, this is the Bryce Love we remember. 
he's been struggling all season long. And then now look at him. I'm like, yeah, I get that. I know, but it's, it's, it's even like they have chances to tackle him, but it's, it's again, arm tackles, missed yeah. tackles, bad angles, not coming in, wrapping up because Angie, I even tweeted this out during the game. It seems like these defensive players come downhill so fast and just want to make the highlight play that they're yeah. willing to sacrifice the act, you know, actually stopping the ball carrier, stopping the play or, you know, incomplete pass, whatever it is, just because they want to make the highlight hit, they want to make the highlight play. And I get it because, you know, it's just how it goes. If you're a football player, you want to make the big plays and you want to be the one to do it for your team, but you almost hurt your team more when you're trying to do the highlight plays and right. And you don't do it <laughs> and yeah. you don't make yeah. the play. And Angie, that's what we were saying with Colorado is, the only reason why Oregon State won that game is because of the defense. And I want yeah. to get right. You give Jake Luton the credit. You give Isaiah Hodgins the credit. They did great, but Oregon. So that State's, was the first time we've seen them make some stops. Right, you know? and they they did the, what they had to do. They tackled when they needed to tackle, especially in open field. They did they, their assignments. They stuck to their and, assignments. Mm-hmm, yeah, and that's you know that's how you win games. So, Angie, before we go, I just want to ask you if you think. Like, how much different do you think everyone's perspective would be of this defense in this season if the defense could at least, you know, instead of giving up maybe these big runs and, you know, people dropping, I don't know, 40 points to 37 every game. Say we held them to, say we held the team to 28, right? Every game, right? So even if it's win or lose, we hold them to 28. Maybe we lose 21, 28 every single game. Do you think everyone's outlook would be different? Absolutely. Yeah, even if the offense – I mean, say the offense has been playing just as great, but the defense just comes up, say, maybe two or three more stops or one turnover on downs at least or one sack at least every game. Do you think it's completely different? I think – I mean, in my mind it would be a little different. Um, I I don't know fans because fans get a little impatient Mm -hmm. and they want to see, you know, wins. I mean, it it boils down to wins, but – no, I mean, this defense, like I said, every Power 5 team they've played, they've given up over 500 yards. Mm-hmm. And on several occasions, let's see, we had 721, 594 against University of Arizona, 558 ASU, 596 Stanford. I mean, these aren't awesome offenses. That's, yeah. that's the hardest part, right? Well, I think I mean, when I rewatched the USC game, and, you know, you, the, the whole knock on Clay Helton has been so much about just the offense because he's an offensive minded guy. Um, and then you, you're listening to the announcers talk about how what a wonder, this Clay Helton is ca- calling a marvelous game. No, really, he's not. He's he's taking advantage of Oregon State's yeah. poor play. You know, I mean, that's like you said, that's what's getting I think frustrating for Beaver fans. It's yeah. the same it, mistake exactly. And I know for a fact when they watch the games, I know all of you guys have the exact same reaction as I do. I just wanted to tell the commentators. No matter if it's Yogi Roth, I really like Yogi. I actually texted him not too long ago, but I just want to be like, shut up, please. Like, I get it. We know. Like, we get it. I, I promise you we understand. But I just think that's the thing because even a team like Cal, Cal's offense has been, you know, excuse my language, it's been piss poor. It's horrible. It is. You know, it's just not It's just not good right now. And the only reason why Cal's been successful, they beat SC last weekend because of their defense. Yeah, their and defense. It it just shows you could have a bad offense. Like I, if Oregon State's offense was terrible and could only get maybe fourteen points a game, but the defense could hold you to twenty eight, I think Oregon State fans would be they'd feel a lot better. But it's these, it's the constant missed tackles. It's the constant, uh, 
out of assignments or can't make the big plays. It's just, you know, it's just exhausting. But Angie, we're done with that. We're done talking about yes. we're done talking. Let's let's uh let's wrap this up with some positive stuff. Do you have well, any? let's do predictions. Yes. Let's do some predictions for oh, Angie, um, I just said we gotta stay positive. And you're gonna hit me okay. with predictions. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Okay, positive um recruiting is on the way. And basketball, women's basketball, baseball, all the Olympic sports signing day is this Wednesday, the 14th. So a couple days away, get to Beaver Blitz because we have some fun things planned for Wednesday and celebrating those recruiting classes. Yes. Has there been five-star women's basketball players and um, no, it'll be fun. And we haven't covered um, signing day for men's, women's and baseball all at once. So um, we'll be covering that. So um, busy day at Beaver Blitz. There we go. Well, we can do that. That's that's a little more positive. Angie, uh, I don't know if we can talk about this. I really don't know. Um, are there, are there any? We got we. Do we have a pretty good recruiting class? It's pretty we decent. Do. And I, it's uh, decent. you know, there's 11 guys signed right now. They're ranked 10th in the Pac-12. Um, you know, it's not world beaters, but um, that's. I kind of had that planned for the week after Civil War that we would really dive in and talk recruiting because. Okay, cool. Uh, um, there's, there. I mean, there, like I said, there's some players there that I, I can see coming in immediately, like an Omar Spates coming in immediately and, and making an impact. Right, and that I will definitely do some breakdowns, or I'll watch film on my own, so I, we could talk about that, and I don't sound like ludicrous. But uh, no, that, that that's right. going to give us something to talk about, you know, for you know, because the podcast now that you know we're going, we're going, right? We're going. So we got two more weeks of football, then we're going to do some recruiting stuff. Maybe take a week or two off during Christmas, and then we can, we'll come back and talk. It'll be a, it'll be a busy January, like I said, guys, because right now they're at 11 commits. Maybe they pick up one or two before the early signing period um, in in December. But then that gives you, you know, they'll be hosting recruits the weekend of December 1st and 8th for sure. Those will be pretty big recruiting weekends. We're already kind of penciling in who will be there for those. Um, and then January is going to be. You know, they're like I said, be looking to sign anywhere from twelve to fifteen guys come that first Wednesday in February. So um, it's going to be you know some excitement, some fun, um, and you know we'll have lots to talk about. All right, uh, Angie. Before we go, I I just want to toss in a nice little two cents for some positive uh, reinforcement for everybody listening. I did get a chance. I know I talked about I got to watch Sawyer Racanelli, right? And he was yeah. somebody that Oregon State's interested in. Um, I got to watch him the other day, and I get to actually – I'll be the color commentator for their playoff game on Friday, it's sounding like. Ooh, okay. And uh, I just okay. remember talking to him a little bit. I do – I co-host a show with Andrew Nemec, um, and I, we talked to him just about Oregon State, and, you know, I kind of did off-air, and I was just asking him, like, Hey man, like, what are your thoughts? Like, you can be real with me. I get it. I played college football. I know how the recruiting process goes. And he was like, listen, man, I'm just thinking that Oregon State is a place where I could really go and excel. And I'm not trying to be like, okay, well, he's coming here. But that's just something to keep in mind, right? I think he's still a junior. So he still has another year, obviously, but he's going to pick up some more offers. But it's just nice to see that people see that, that they really like to see what coach Smith has been doing. And that's, you know, that's kind of what he said. He just said, I like that coach Smith has been doing this and I like to see, you know, what he has been doing. And I'm excited, you know, to at least maybe be a part of it. So obviously it's not like he's going to commit and then maybe I worded that wrong and I don't want to get your guys hopes up because this kid's going to get some big time offers. But if Oregon state can hold on to him, that's big Angie, because he is a straight up baller. 
So that's really? okay. That's something positive to stick around. And, and another little positive that we ran a story. Um, if you're into basketball recruiting, 2021 basketball phenom Ben Gregg. He's out of Clackamas, Oregon. He goes to Columbia Christian High School. Um, Lucas Aguilar ran a got a good interview with him, just talking about he picked up. You know, here's this. You know, what is he a sophomore? He picked up um, offers in one week from Washington State, Oregon State, and Texas, all in a week. So um, talking with him have a really good a feature on him so check out beaver blitz on that talking about you know just wanting to stay close to home how he loves coach tinkle loves what they're doing there i i still you know gonzaga is going to be a team to beat there but they haven't offered yet so long way to go but again another positive so lots of positive stuff to uh check out read and and uh keep your your orange glasses uh polished up yes. i guess if you're a big beaver fan and if there's again i always say it I don't know what you guys like. If you guys like listening to this, then you can just tweet back at us. And no one, nobody's tweeted back at me yet. That's why I'm like, I don't think I know. I don't think everybody listens to this. But um, for those who are, seriously, if there's like, if there's maybe some poll questions we could do or anything to get you guys more kind of, you know, interactive with us, and we could, you know, we could make this podcast that much more enjoyable. I would love to get any input, any insight you guys would love. Um, what, whatever you guys think would be more entertaining for you, but whatever it is, seriously, tweet at us, message us, whatever we could do, just give us your input. We'd love to hear it. We would, you know, we'd love to make any changes possible that we can to this podcast. I really, I really liked, um, hearing from some of our listeners, giving us their tailgate spots around research stadium, because it was really fun to go uh, yes. check out some tailgates. That'll definitely be on the agenda next year and civil war. So, yes. um, Tried some amazing hot chocolate, beaver hot chocolate from right. uh, Tailgate, and yeah, it was delicious. Perfect. Well, Angie, do you have anything okay. else? Okay, I got my prediction. Oh yes, prediction. Let's hear it. I, I don't want to miss. It is forty-four fourteen, Washington. Whew. Yeah, I got, I got forty-eight to seventeen, Washington. Okay, forty-eight seventeen. Well. We'll wrap that up with that, I guess. I, was, I totally <laughs> forgot. We should have we should have said the predictions and then dropped all the positives. Then positives, but, yeah, but that's but. okay. Anyways, thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of the Dan Podcast with your hosts, Marcus Greaves and Angie Machado. We'll be back next week on Monday.